0: The Guardian. How quickly is our universe expanding? It might sound like a simple question, but since Edwin Hubble first observed that galaxies were receding from us almost a century ago, the answer has remained a source of controversy amongst cosmologists as they continue to try and pin down its true value. So you can really think of, uh,
1: of these as two bands uh, to account for the uncertainty in the estimate that were going along together, uh, meaning that the two bands
0: were overlapping. And then, the rate of expansion became known as the Hubble constant, and the discrepancy between the different observations of its value, the Hubble tension. And then in 2013, the band from
1: the CMB shrank. And this is the first moment that disjoined the band from the CMB from the band uh, coming uh, from the local estimates.
0: This tension has grown over recent years, with studies of the early and late universe determining its expansion rate ever more precisely, fortifying the disparity and leaving cosmologists with a mystery. Who or what is wrong with the calculations? I'm Madeleine Finlay, a science journalist and producer, and this is Science Weekly. I guess. Oh, I, w- I was wondering so, are you working from home at the moment? Yes, yes. And are the, are the telescopes still running?
1: Uh, no, there has been, well, t- the telescope is in Chile, which
0: obviously is in lockdown. That's Emenia Calabresa, a professor of astrophysics at Cardiff University. Emenia led the analysis of a new study on the Hubble constant using the Atacama Cosmology Telescope in Chile. So you can be in Cardiff and say, press something on your phone saying, start observing. Yeah. And a telescope in Chile will start looking out into the universe exactly yeah <laughs> we did this uh,
1: via Skype for a number of times so and one of my colleagues I remember her telling me the story she was at a party one night and she got a crash on her phone That the telescope had stopped running and so she was like oh I need to fix my telescope one second
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you can actually do it yeah it's great that's amazing I mean it, I'm sure lots of our brilliant listeners, are familiar with the evolution of the universe. Our listeners tend to love space. But if we could give them and me um, a brief reminder of what we think happened from the Big Bang. You have the Big Bang, and and then what happens? Um, It's a long journey, uh, and it's a a
1: long, convoluted story. Um, We think that everything that we can see Today in the universe was uh, set out, but that uh, initial moment at the very beginning. Uh, but then things evolved. Um, so the universe at the uh, when when it was just born looked very different to what we can see today. At the very beginning, there were not even atoms uh, as we know them now. It was just a plasma. Uh, of all uh, particles coupled together in what was at the time a very hot, dense state. Uh, And then as the universe evolved, it expanded, it cooled down and things started to change. Uh, So there is a key moment in the universe, which is uh, when the universe was about 380,000 years old when the temperature becomes cold enough for atoms to start forming. And when the first atoms start form, then it also means that uh, the uh, initial light that uh, came out of the Big Bang uh, can also start to freely propagate throughout the universe and is not coupled anymore to all the other particles atoms and uh, other uh, particles will, from that moment onwards, also evolve and start growing. Uh, And they will then be uh, very uh, strongly impacted by gravity, uh, which will then be the main driver for the formation of uh, structures, starting with stars and then galaxies and then clusters of galaxies and everything that comes. Uh, out of
0: that. So you start off with this hot, dense state full of plasma following the Big Bang, and then the universe continues to expand, and it's still expanding, and now at an accelerating rate. And there are a few different ways that cosmologists and astronomers can measure this rate of expansion. So let's start with the astronomical objects known as standard candles. What are these and how can they be used to find what's known as this Hubble constant? Uh,
1: So the Hubble constant is a measurement of how fast the universe is expanding uh, today. Today, sorry. And to get... Uh, an estimate of that quantity, what you really need to measure are distances in the universe. Now, measuring distances in astronomy or even cosmology is a little bit more complicating than what we can do on Earth because uh, everything will move and evolve as we try to measure the distance to a specific object. And so we usually rely on uh, some... Uh, specific quantities that uh, we can consider universal, if you want, for some objects and use those quantities to infer the distance to that object. So an example of that uh, is the um, luminosity and the brightness of exploding stars into supernovae. Uh, So supernovae are considered standard candles because their luminosity uh, light curve uh, is the same uh, no matter how far they are from us. And so by knowing that quantity and by measuring their apparent brightness, we can then infer how far from us that exploding star is.
0: And so once you've got the distance to these objects, they're moving away from us. So how do you then start to calculate what the expansion rate is? So what
1: you need to know on top of the distance is the velocity. Because uh, really the uh, expansion rate is given by the ratio between those two quantities it's velocity over distance. And the velocity can be measured with a quantity that, for example, we call redshift, which is a measurement of uh, how uh, the light of a distant object is stretched compared to the the same light emitted, for example, uh, by an object that is not moving. Uh, it's like thinking about uh, the sound that you hear from an ambulance when it approaches uh, or uh, moves away from you. And by measuring uh, that uh, quantity, you can then uh, infer the velocity of that object.
0: And so you've you've got this way of measuring the expansion rate by looking at distances and velocity and how stretched the light is. But there's also another way of calculating the Hubble constant. And this takes us back to the early universe, or at least the remnants of it, which is known as the cosmic microwave background. So how does this work? Okay, in sim- in very simple um A very simple
1: explanation is to think of it as an afterglow of the Big Bang or if you want the oldest light uh, generated by nature. Uh, And it's a light that has been there from the beginning and has been uh, traveling throughout the whole uh, history of the universe. The The main information extracted from the cosmic microwave background comes from observing some subtle variation uh, in the properties of this light. And in particular, that will be variation in its temperature and in its polarization. So by looking at how different across the sky or or how these fluctuations in temperature and polarization are distributed across the sky for the CMB, uh, we can then extract a large number of information on the universe composition uh, as well as uh, evolution. And we can use the measurement of these variations in the CMB to also predict the expansion rate today.
0: And the two methods that you've described to calculate the Hubble constant, one from the early universe and and one from the late universe, they've left the field of cosmology with a conundrum because the two values for the Hubble constant don't agree. When did this discrepancy first come about?
1: Both methods have been going on for a long time. Uh, and uh, as is usually happens in science, uh, data improve over time. Uh, and improvement in data directly corresponds to more precise estimates. So the measurement Uh, from the CMB and, for example, from uh, local objects, for example, using supernovae, have been uh, going on for decades. Uh, And they were uh, both giving a number with an error bar, so with an uncertainty on the number for the Hubble constant. Uh, So you can really think of, uh, of these as two bands Uh, to account for the uncertainty in the estimate that were going along together. uh, And they were in agreement, uh, meaning that the two bands were overlapping. And then in 2013, uh, with the first release um, of the results coming from the Planck CMB uh, satellite, uh, the band from the CMB shifted lower a little bit but uh, more importantly, the error on the, on the number and therefore the width of the band shrank uh, a lot compared to previous estimates. And this is the first moment that disjoined the band from the CMB from the band uh, coming uh, from the local estimates uh, and created this uh, discussion on up potential tension between the two methods estimating the same quantity.
0: Are there any theories about where this disparity might actually be coming from? There are two
1: possible avenues here, Gregor. One less exciting and one more exciting, if you want. The less exciting one is that there is still some underlying assumption or error in one uh, of the analysis or maybe some small errors in both analyses that are causing this difference. Uh, although that we have done a number of robustness tests in all our analyses and therefore that would be something quite surprising to find at that point. Uh, and if we find this errors, then everything will be fine and we will be consistent. The other more exciting possibility is that Uh, the data and their analysis are correct as they are. Uh, And what we're seeing here uh, is a different answer coming from the early universe and the
0: late-time local universe. Could you just explain how two different values might both be right?
1: So there is the possibility that both data and both analyses are correct and it's just how we are extrapolating from the early universe to the late time universe that is not fully descriptive of our whole universe. So, for example, as I said earlier, the Hubble constant uh, from the CMB is a derived measurement. So we basically measure what happens at the early universe and then based on that, we predict what the expansion rate of the universe today uh, should be. Now that is all done within our standard uh, model of cosmology, but there could be a case where you have a different model that is perfectly fine in matching what Act and Planck measure in the very early universe, but then the extrapolation and the prediction of what the local universe uh, should be doing is different. And there are a lot of theoretical cosmologists that at the moment are spending their time trying to figure out if such a model exists, how you can uh, formulate such a model with, uh, with some uh, real physical assumptions behind it and uh, how we can then uh, go ahead and test uh, those models.
0: And both those options, either a bug and a code or a wrong assumption or a completely new kind of physics or physical model of the universe, I mean, both of those sound like pretty big jobs. Um, does this disparity make you and other researchers a bit nervous?
1: It gives us more work to do, that's for sure, uh, but, uh, but in um, I would say in a very productive way, being challenged in finding the error in your analysis has led, I believe, to the most robust analysis, data analysis of uh, CMB data, Uh, that we have done uh, so far. So that's been a really good challenge uh, for us. I think we nowadays spend more time showing people why we think we are right than uh, presenting the actual nominal result coming out uh, from our data. And I think that's a good thing. And that's something that we scientists should be prepared to do uh, to demonstrate that we have done a proper job. The other one, the fact that we might have to change uh, the the physical model behind it, I think that is something that uh, we have been going towards now for quite some time in the sense that even the standard model that we have uh, at the moment is incomplete. Uh, We still know pretty close to nothing about dark energy and very little about dark matter. So, a new physical model might be simply a model where we understand those two components that are currently part of our standard model.
0: Are you quite hopeful that this mystery is going to be solved sometime soon? I think that
1: there is uh, is a lot that will be learned in the next few years. There are a number of experiments and missions uh, that are going after uh, dark energy. There will be a lot more CMB. There are uh, new uh, methods that are coming uh, along. As well as a lot of theoreticians trying to fix this problem because this is now one of the uh, most interesting problems in cosmology I would say. So I think the field is going to be extremely active and this will not be forgotten. I think that we will get a lot more in the next few years on this topic.
0: Well thank you very much Amelia, and good luck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good l- I guess, good l- good luck in solving the problem. Yeah, yeah, look forward to it. <laughs> Thanks again to Emenia. For those of you who are interested, Aminia's most recent observations from the Atacama telescope in Chile, which backed up the data from the Planck telescope, give a value for the Hubble constant as 67.4 plus or minus 0.5 kilometres per second per megaparsec. The local approach, on the other hand, suggests a higher figure of 73.5 plus or minus 1.4. You can find a link to the story covering the Hubble tension on the podcast webpage. See you next week.